Welcome to the Instructor's Kit Bag, an Army Logistics University podcast out of Fort Lee, Virginia. I am your host, Nate Ball, and thanks to all of you for listening in. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get this podcast rolling. Welcome, everyone, to the Instructor's Kit Bag. This is episode 13. This is actually part three of our ELM series. And in this series, we're going to discuss generalizing new information, which is the third phase of ELM, and develop, which is the fourth phase of ELM. But how about this time, instead of just having to listen to me, I'm going to bring in one of our instructors of the year to come in and also give us his input on how to make generalizing new information and develop a more engaging process for students. So welcome, Mr. Dale Grant. Hey, Nate, thanks for having me. And it's my pleasure and privilege to share with you this moment. Uh, Part of my background is that I've been an instructor, as you said, for over 27 years. Instructor of the year here at ALU, the very first. Also a medical instructor of the year. And I've been teaching basically adult soldiers uh, for those last 27 years. So needless to say, you definitely have the experience of standing in front of a classroom, trying to get content, and deliver in the best way possible to your to your target audience. I would say so. I've been through both the initial stage on stage and then going from stage on stage to a facilitator and guiding learning. So Daryl, previously mentioned we are, we're going to go over the generalizing new information, the third phase of ELM or the experiential learning model, and we're going to go over the fourth phase of the experiential learning model, which is develop. But what I want to do now is let's first tackle them individually. So generalizing new information. By the regulation, GNI is where the lesson content is taught. So the content to be focused on is taught during this phase, and there are aspects that are essential to achieving the learning objective standards. So both content and methodology must be considered during GNI to ensure achievement of the appropriate learning level and can include a wide variety of techniques, including lecture, discussion, demonstration, role play, simulation, case study, and other approaches. So this is why I'm excited to have uh, Daryl with me because he is an experienced instructor, has done all of these sort of things. So essentially, GNI is now taking the content and giving it to our students. Previously, we have talked about the overall arching goal of ELM, which is to be more student-centric, learner-centric, engaging, and dynamic. And in our previous episode, we talked about concrete experience, that motivator, that buy-in. And then we talked about publishing process. Well, now we've gotten through those two stages, and now it's the content time. So, Daryl, let's just have a chat about GNI and how exciting it can actually be, because I have this feeling sometimes when we think about now it's time to teach the content, now the fun needs to go away. So, thanks, Nate. The uh, conversation really get me excited because uh, the student has already told me and shared with me their past experience by what they see in that concrete experience or how it made them feel. And so by telling me that, that's the publishing process part, and then get to be the instructor part. As an instructor, once we've done those two steps, now it's my turn to take whatever the developer or has put in that lesson plan and to make it connect to that student prior experience or even give him the new information, but to make him understand or to have them lead themselves to understand why we're teaching it and what the objective is and getting at the objective. So it's our chance to teach, Nate. It's actually the students have had the first two parts of the ELM, and now we have an opportunity to decide how we're going to deliver the lesson plan itself. May I say the learning event? 
I like how you said that learning event. I fear sometimes, and, and I think I might have even fallen into that a couple, uh, the, this sort of trap a little bit where concrete experience, publishing process, these are activities, these are kind of fun, these are a way to, to engage the students, right? And then here's the content, and that it's like it almost comes to a screeching halt as if we can't still be creative and critical and fun in how we're going to try to connect that content to our students. Do you think that that concrete experience in the publishing process phases helps us to gauge a class and has that actually ever had you say, you know what, normally I would teach it this way, but because I know this group, I think this way to teach it might be a little bit better. So you might decide, you know, where a lecture might be more appropriate. You say, you know what, you know, we're going to have a little fun with this. We're going to do a little bit more case study type of stuff. We're going to get them thinking a little bit more as I'm delivering this content. You know, Nate, I would hope I do because, as I said, that concrete and publishing process part tells me a lot about what the students already know. The GNI gives me another decision. How am I going to deliver it? In the beginning, when I first started instructing, it was always whatever you write on the paper. If this is what the developer put on the paper, this is what we're going to do. But with the, um, so I say the age of the Army learning concept or the Army learning model, then we begin to do more things. As you just mentioned, some of the things is to look at that GNI, GNI and decide, do I want to do a scenario-based learning when I'm doing this? Uh, how much do I want to give to the student? One of the things I really enjoy now is what we call flipping the classroom. I am not the guy to be in front of the student, dictating to the student what they should learn. I want their participating. I want them to be more collaborating in their learning, sharing with each other, and it's still my responsibility to provide the content which is important. Right, and so just because we do have a learning objective to hit, and we do need to get this content out, but it still doesn't mean it has to be, I'm gonna stand up here and just speak to you, or I'm gonna stand up here and read to a PowerPoint. The idea is to create critical thinkers. So the Army, in my view, the Army has already come up with new ways to get instructors to use uh, methods to get students to get away from group thinking. Uh, they want students to be critical thinking problem solvers now. You're not gonna create a problem solver if I'm the guy, again, we call it uh, stage on the stage. If you walk into an Army learning model classroom and the instructor's sitting in the front and he's lecturing or he's putting all the information out, then I hope it's, very, it's for a very uh, limited amount of time, maybe one or two minutes, and we wanna turn that classroom over to the student. And as you said once before, we want to try to be creative, figure out ways to get the student to use the information. So you're still able to teach and you can still do this through other methods. So in future podcasts, we're going to go over methods of instruction and the vast array of methods of instruction that exist. You almost can just like pick and choose like a buffet style, right? And one lesson I can do it this way, one lesson I can do it this way. They're still getting the content but I'm going to deliver it a different, sort of different method. I think um, one of the challenges with that is a lot of time is that instructors see other instructors the way they do things. And so they almost make a standard, and this is the way this course needs to be done. I think that what we're trying to do is not only create critical thinkers of the students, but also for the instructors to be as creative as they want. Now, there's no guarantee that by you being created, and you may choose the wrong method of instructing, but at least you tried and you can learn from that. And with another group of instructor, 
that same thing that didn't work for the previous instructor being creative may work for another group. So to me, being in a classroom and the GNI presenting that information, uh, we do the best we can to tailor the learning to the individual that's in that room. Some will learn with group, and sometimes we may have to pull aside someone to help them learn a different way or to explain things that they didn't catch. So now this leads us into the fourth phase. The fourth phase, of course, is develop. So this is a student-centric. So what I, I guess I didn't say or, or really harp on was that although GNI is really the only phase of the five phases of the ELM model, um, well, that's sort of redundant, ELM model, it's experiential mm -hmm. learning model model, that is more instructor-centric in the sense that we are facilitators, but you can still present content in multiple fashions. But develop goes back to the student-centric side. And what develop does is GNI has already been done. Okay, all the content's been out there. So develop gets this aspect of being able to give students a final opportunity to express how the lesson content will be of value to them in the future. And I see this as another shot at the effective domain. Concrete experience, publish, and process, I sort of think are a little bit more effective. Um, and I think develops that well, falls into that. I, I would think that, uh, again, it depends on how you choose to allow the student to be guided into their learning. Uh, when we talk about development phase, we're talking about what, how do they value it. I give a scenario. If you have, you've just arrived into your new unit, uh, your commander takes you down into a warehouse and he says to you, this is my, it's a mess. He says to you, can you <laughs> fix this for me in a day? Can you get this done and, and get it in order? Well, now, how would this class be of use to you? Or how would it be of value? How would it help you on that job in that situation? So by putting them in scenario, again, they're looking for answers that they can use in real life situation. And it may happen to you as a warrant officer, as a senior instructor or an officer. It may, you may find yourself in a situation where you're the guy responsible for it and you have to fix it. Did you learn what you need to learn? And did you value what you learned? Because we know from brain work, if you think what you're learning is important, you will carry it forward. If you don't think it's important, you will normally forget it within two or three hours. We call that brain dump. Right, yeah. And, and I've always said, and this applies to all learners, especially adults, that the more you can connect the brain to different uh, methods or learning styles or whatever you want to call them, if I can get you to do something, the psychomotor domain, cognitive domain, and the effective domain with that value, right? Once you make all those connections, your brain latches onto it better. Okay, now having talked about these phases, let's go ahead and do an example lesson. Are you ready to try this out? Go ahead. All right, so, yeah. This one is performing metal welding and cutting. I only took the lesson, which is identify welding metals, protective clothing and equipment for metal welding and cutting, and this actually has a whole long line of, of everything, but there's a lot of things to identify mm -hmm. from welding and brazing techniques, edge preparation, metal preparations, basic welding joints, methods of welding, positions of welding. So there's a lot of stuff they have to at least be able to identify. Mm -hmm. So in delivering this content to them, we've already done, of course, concrete experience and publishing process. What do you think might be a good way that you would approach this? You know, uh, when I look at this, for me, I have to reflect back again on what have I learned from them in those first two stages. Mm -hmm. Because 
the first two stages for me uh, may be key to letting me know whether any of them have ever been in a metal shop or have any of them ever been around that equipment. So probably would share some pictures with no labels or anything on it and ask them if they can label them for me. Now, they may get them correct and they may not. It doesn't matter. But what I do have, I find that two things happen with people, with the students I've dealt with. Because one, if I give them uh, a sheet and say, you know, I want you to identify as much material as on the paper as you can. What I found out is even when they don't identify them, they want to get it right. So once I come back in and we go over it and we say this, and if you got it wrong, you want to know what it is. The brain's starving again. So I want to solve this problem. You just told me the problem. I want to know what it is. Sometimes that drives a internal motivation for the student to want to gather that. It excites me when I see challenges in order so I can create a method that can connect what they know. And so this is interesting. It makes me think of Ortonist. Sometimes you walk in Ortonist's room and this stuff will be laid out. So not only uh, can they see it, they can touch it. That's not sort of where I was going with on. that too. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I was thinking the same things. If, if resources are not an issue or something, I'd, I'd actually have it all out. Mm -hmm. And if I could do enough where I could even break them into two or three, you know, groups of two or three, and have those stuff, like have plates together, and they would show what positions when we're talking about them. And if they don't know, fine, because we're still going over content, right? Mm -hmm. And as I'm going over the content, now they're putting them, they're filling in those blanks, they're putting the, the plates together in the right positions as they're looking at it, as we're talking about mm -hmm. it. So they can, like you said, right? It's taking that psychomotor, that cognitive, putting it all together, mm -hmm. and they can see it right in front of them as they manipulate the information. And I think that's beautiful. Because like I said, I like technology. I don't know, I, I think maybe in Orton they have some programs, and if not, they start using stuff through computer gaming or through a computer program where they put this stuff together and they start playing with it. And the good thing about that is, if they don't get it correct, the computer let them know they start again. If they, we don't have to worry about them breaking anything if they mess around and drop anything because it's not there. So the technology would help us reinforce their learning and they could do it over again. Because when I see this, it's actually like this thing is really preparing them to get ready to do uh, a welding job. So uh, another big piece for me is making sure they understand the precaution in using some of these pieces. What do you think the dangers may be? What do you think would happen if you went welding? You had no eye protection. What would happen? Because you can still get a, essentially effectively a sunburn yeah. From all the sparks. Yeah. So, you know, and because this is one of them situations where there is some hazards in this, there's some danger in this once you start looking at this welding material. Even if I handle certain things wrong, I could possibly cut myself or do things. So I want to make sure I, these are things I want to bring out. And so I like what you said as well. And I agree. If you're going there, you can get the hands on. You can get them touching, picking up stuff. And you can get them to also see why this is important. Not just that you walk in, grab some stuff, and go to work. Right. And even if, if you're thinking about the welding metals or, or just how to weld, which, which positions they need to be in or anything like that, if you even do those improperly, mm -hmm. what could be the issue there? 
right? So yeah, you can go all sorts of it. And that's bringing in that develop phase, right? That's and so I like you go right you, into develop with that. Yeah. I like what you just said because it's exciting. You know, I like that. I like the what if. In a classroom, what if I don't put the proper amount of pressure? What if I don't follow this procedure? Because not only am I concerned about the student's safety, I'm concerned about the equipment that we're using, the resource. I don't want explosion. I don't want someone being taken out on an ambulance. I don't want to see a $5,000 piece of equipment being sidelined because we were careless in the way we uh, prepared the student to work with it. Okay, so that was our take on how we'd use GNI and the develop phase as part of the ELM to go over some example lesson plans for how we would use that to engage students. Because again, just because you have now gotten to the GNI phase from concrete experience from publishing process doesn't mean everything has to screech to a halt and now here comes the boring content. You can still do a lot with content and do different things, props, whatever, um, and of course props with purpose. The develop phase of how to add value into that because that's that second hit. So next podcast, we will have our final part of the ELM, which will go over the evaluation or the apply and w- what that can entail and what we can do with that. But thank you so much to my my guest, Mr. Daryl Grant. Thank you for having me, Nate. It's a pleasure to be not only your guest, but a team member. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a lot of fun where we're doing because as you can tell with Mr. Grant and myself, probably we, we just love education. And so this is, this is excellent. Anything we think we can share that might be good, then we're going to we're going to give it a shot, which is the whole part of this process. Right. Thank you so much, everybody listening in. And thank you for listening to the Instructor's Kit Bag, a podcast for all educators. Remember, never stop teaching, never stop learning.